we cry out, Jesus. In our desperation, in our longing, we lift our eyes to the heavens. The Savior that was promised reached down to us, becoming flesh. At his entrance, they laid palms at his feet, as today, in his presence, we fall to our knees. We cry out to him, hanging on the cross, the righteous one whose blood broke the curse. With an act of love that saved our souls, overflowing redemption making us whole. No nail to the bones could hold him. No crown of thorns could shame him, because he is the one. No tomb could contain him. Death could not stop him. He conquered the grave and rose from death victorious. We cry out, Jesus, 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 you are the resurrection and the life. In you, all things come alive. We will forever declare the mighty power of your name. We cry out with everything we have. We need you, Savior, and nothing else, because in you, we are saved by grace. Your glory will shine upon the world, and every tongue will cry out, Jesus is the Lord. And I don't know uh, where you are in your faith today. Uh, I know I didn't grow up in a church like this. Um, and so if I came to a church for the first time and saw a video like that, I might be like, what is that all about? <laughs> but here, the truth of the matter is, when Jesus resurrected, he defeated the enemy of our soul. And so what I love about that song is, you know, life's worries, life's problems, and, and the devil is real and he'll use those to get you down. We have authority over that because of the resurrection. And you can say those very words, devil, you cannot tread on me. I will tread on you. And I love the imagery of, of Jesus on a horse, spear through the snake, because that's what scripture says in Genesis, that he will, this, uh, uh, the snake will strike his heel, but he will strike him with his foot. And so that's what we're celebrating today, the resurrection that changes everything. He was crucified and resurrected, and here we are. Here we are. That all changed everything. And today I want to go to the book of John. And I'm going to jump around a lot, so you might, if you take notes, maybe write this down. If it's your first time here, you could download uh, our Life Church app. There's a Bible there. You can mark these things to so look them up later. I, I highly recommend it. But what we're going to do today is the Gospels, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the four Gospels in the New Testament, all, all um, keep a, a record of the life and death and resurrection of Jesus have 34 distinct miracles that are recorded in them. John's gospel highlights seven of these. By the way, and uh, when we're finished, if you're here uh, every week and you know we're expository, we're going through Samuel, we're gonna be in the book of John next, so that's exciting. But there are seven miracles that he uh, highlights that I wanna highlight today too. Because each of these miracles, every single one of them, show us something different about Jesus and the power that he has. In fact, every miracle God does show us something about who he is. 
And maybe you, you know what I'm talking about because you've experienced or you've seen a miracle in your life and you learned something about God by seeing that miracle. In fact, God only does miracles to reveal his glory. There's many times that we are asking for a miracle and he'll do a, a work in our lives, but it's never just for that miracle. If you've ever been healed supernaturally, praise God that's happened for you. But it's not just for the healing. It's so people can know the power that he has. It's so people can see that. If he heals you through the process, that's also a miracle, by the way. It's also a miracle when, when we've got to go through a healing process because God created our bodies in a way that we can be healed. So he gets the glory for that too. Every miracle in life show us something about God. And so I'm going to fly over a few of these in John today because I know everyone, we've got busy schedules, but I want to really hone in on this last one. But did you know the very first miracle that Jesus performed? The very first one was when he turned water to wine at a wedding. I think that's truly significant. His first miracle was an act of hospitality, right? And it says it, says it wasn't just any wine. It was the best wine uh, of all, the whole time. And, and so he's at this wedding, and his mom tells him, hey, they're about to run out of wine. I don't know if you've seen this scene in The Chosen. It's pretty awesome. And, uh, and he instructs them to pour water in jugs, and it turns into wine miraculously. One writer, one poetic writer said this was the time that water blushed in the face of its creator. It was beautiful. But it shows us something of God's character that his first act, his first miraculous act was an act of hospitality. Do you know how much God cares for you on that level? On that level, he's hospitable. He cares for you in that way. Then he, in John chapter four, we see him heal a nobleman's son from a long distance, in fact. The nobleman asks him to heal him, and Jesus heals him from far away. He doesn't even go to the guy's house, and he says, your son is whole. And it shows us something about God. He has, he has lordship over space, latitude and longitude. He has all control in all space. He can do all things. Amen? Then in John chapter 5, he heals a man who's been disabled for 38 years restoring the time that's lost. 38 years of being disabled, completely reversed, showing that he's the God, not only of, over space, but of time. God is God of our time, amen? He stands outside space and time, but he's the Lord of space and time. He set it into motion. Similarly, in Mark chapter five, actually, this is not John, but he heals the woman with the issue of blood. And she's had this issue of, of blood for 12 years. This is the woman who pressed in in the crowds and touched the hem of, of Jesus' garment and said, if only I could touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. And, and he turns around and says, who's touched my garment? It's actually quite a, a remarkable story because the disciples are like, what do you mean who touched your garment? We're like surrounded by a lot of people. Well, how, would, how would we know? But he felt, the Bible says he literally felt power come out of him. And when that happened, that woman who had been sick for 12 years, those scriptures even say she spent all her money on what doctors said she needed to do, and none of it helped. In fact, some of it made things worse. Anybody know what that's like? <laughs> right? I love, I'm nothing against doctors, okay? I, I love doctors, but it's, you know, I, I, it's disheartening sometimes when they're trying everything and we can't figure out what's wrong with us. That's where she was. And she was like that for 12 years, and Jesus heals her again, showing he is God over 
time. In John chapter 6, he feeds 5,000 in number. It, it, some say it's more like 15, 20,000 because it was 5,000 men and their wives and kids might have been with them. Even if it was just 5,000 people, it was a miracle. He fed them with five loaves and two fishes. So regardless of 5,000, 20,000, that's a miracle, right? It's a miracle. He feeds that many people, and that goes back to his hospitality. In John chapter 9, he heals a man born blind. And if we're not careful, we miss this. He, healing someone born blind actually requires the brain to be rewired. Think about this. We, we can miss things when we don't think about what we're reading. We oftentimes take some things for granted when we read these miracles, but when you really think about each of them, it's quite remarkable what happens. It's impossible, isn't it? But when the resurrection happened, God made our impossible possible. He rewires this guy's brain, making the Lord over our bodies. Isn't that awesome? And then the grand finale, or at least people thought this was the grand finale. In John chapter 11, Lazarus lay dead for four days. And what was a tomb, he turned into a waiting room. Amen? That miracle, he raises Lazarus from the dead. And that miracle foreshadows his own death and resurrection, which we're celebrating today. These seven miracles in John's gospel are seven signs. Each sign points straight to Jesus. In fact, Every miracle ever, true miracle, done by the Lord, especially in the Bible, always points us to Jesus. That's the whole point of a miracle. So be careful, by the way, seeking miracles. I want to see miracles. You want to see miracles? I like to see miracles. We got to be careful seeking miracles because we, really we, we don't need to seek miracles. We just need to seek the miracle maker. Seek Jesus. Because then you're going to see miracles. You'll eventually find yourself in the middle of some miracles. And, and it's really important, too. You've got to be careful about hoping for miracles because here's the deal. Everyone wants to have a miracle, but no one wants to be in a situation where you need a miracle. Right. Am I right? Like, think about that for a minute. Anytime you've said, I need a miracle, it's just like that. It's like, I need a miracle. I don't know how I'm going to get through this. I don't know how this is going to happen. I don't know how I'm going to make my bills this month. I don't know how I'm going to get through to my kid. I don't know how I'm going to get through to my husband, my wife, whatever. I need a miracle, right? No one wants to be in that situation, but that's the prerequisite, by the way, for a miracle. And the bigger the problem, the bigger the potential for a miracle, right? If the wedding never ran out of wine, the winemaker wouldn't have needed to do what he did. He's the God that can make your impossible possible. I want to read some of John chapter 11, starting in verse 21, and see what this means to us today. Martha then said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She's upset. They called for Jesus sooner, the miracle maker. He didn't come sooner, and Lazarus died. So she's having this conversation with him now. Verse 22. Even now I know whatever you ask God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection on the last day. When I hit the pause button there, she's saying, you know, I'll know he'll be alive in heaven someday, basically. 
you've said something like this. I've said something like, I know I'll be healed someday in heaven. I know when I'm in heaven, this thing will happen, right? Anybody know what I'm talking about? That's what she's saying. I know he's going to rise because we're going to rise in you. But verse 25, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I have believed that you are the Christ, the Son of God, even he who comes into the world. Martha finds herself in a situation where what's done is done. Death is pretty final, right? I mean, outside of a miracle, you really can't undo death. We like to uh, fantasize about it in movies. Uh, I'm going to date myself a little bit here, but one of my, one of my favorite uh, times when someone um, resurrects someone, so to speak, it's in, it's in the 1978 Superman movie, Christopher Reeves, the only real Superman. And Lois, <laughs> I'm dating myself, I know, but there hasn't been one like him since. But anyways, uh, Lois Lane dies in an in a earthquake. So he gets up. And he starts flying around the Earth opposite the Earth's orbit fast enough to change the direction the world is turning to go back a day so that the earthquake is undone and Lois Lane is saved. The science is a little shaky, I think. I don't, you know. <laughs> but he successfully undoes the thing. And it's fun to think about, but it just doesn't work out that way, right? Unfortunately, the arrow of time only points one direction. What's done is done. Some things in life are just irreversible. Years ago, when I was a teenager, um, my youth pastor was teasing me about a girl that I liked in front of the girl, which was not cool, guys, not cool. We don't do that sort of thing. I got so irritated with him. I got up at one point and stormed out. I said, I can't believe you're my youth pastor. You, you stink at being a youth pastor. I'm going to talk to Pastor Troy, and I'm going to get you out of here, whatever else. And I just storm out. I was so mad. Uh, about an hour went by, and I felt like I probably went over the top there with that. I mean, I'm talking to a pastor, and I just, in front of everybody, totally disrespected him. And I felt bad, so I went back and said, first of all, you need to stop teasing me about this. But I'm really, I really regret what I said about you. I'm really sorry. And uh, he accepted my apology. But that following Wednesday, have you ever been in church and you feel like, Pastor, you wrote this sermon just for me? <laughs> I, I, I mean, it's awfully um, coincidental that we're going to be talking about this. He did a, a game to illustrate his message, and he called me up as a volunteer who wasn't volunteering, so I was voluntold with somebody and and the the game was all right let's see who could squeeze all the toothpaste out of the tube the fastest all right that's no problem and so we they turn on some music and whatever i mean it goes really fast i'm like this is kind of stupid right and so he said okay here's the second part of the contest let's see who can get the toothpaste back in the tube the fastest have you ever <laughs> tried to get toothpaste back in a tube not possible it makes a big mess. Trust me, I know. All right? But the point was, you can't, you can't unsay things. That's the point he was trying to make. 
You can't get toothpaste back in a tube, and you can't unsay things. You may say things sometimes, and they can't be unsaid. You can't unbake cookies. You can't uncut hair. You can't undelete documents, maybe if you use the recycle bin. You definitely can't unrun a red light. Uh, you can't undo certain things. Uh, there's a new feature that Apple made in their mail, in their email. When you send an email right now, this is just a side note, it's not even my note, so you're welcome, uh, we'll blow up, plug. You send an email, you have a certain amount of time to unsend that email before it actually sends. Isn't that nice? Because <laughs> <laughs> have you ever sent an email and you were like, uh, can I get that back? Did it, could it go to junk mail? Can I get to the other person's computer before they get it and delete it before they see it? Anybody know what I'm talking about? Anyways, you really can't unsend an email or unsend a text. Yeah, exactly. There are irreversible events that leave really a hole in your heart forever, maybe something more serious. When you get hit with something like standing at the foot of a casket or you've been on the receiving end of divorce papers or you got a frantic phone call in the middle of the night or got lab results that the doctor is affirming your worst fears. Those irreversible events hit really hard. You know that feeling, I'm sure you do, I do, and this is what Martha was wading through, some of those kinds of feelings. It feels like when something like that happens, it feels like life is over. Like everything just changes, everything, it just colors everything that you see, but it's not over till God says it's over, amen? What Martha was dealing with is what I like to call this morning the time in between. The time in between the prayer and the answer. The time in between his death and his resurrection. The great divide. For Martha, it was a few days. But they were long days, if you could imagine. For the disciples, they had time in between. We kind of commemorated that this weekend. On Good Friday, Jesus dies on the cross and is buried. Saturday was the time in between for the disciples, right? But maybe you know this feeling, the time between the letdown and the breakthrough. And the question for Martha is the same as the question is for us when we're in the time in between, when Jesus says, I am the, the resurrection and the life, whoever is in me, will not die, when he says, I'm the miracle maker, I'm the promise keeper, in that time in between, what he asked Martha is what he asks us, do you believe this? Do you believe this? And that's the time when it's the most important to make a decision to say, in spite of my doubts, because they'll be there, in spite of how I feel right now, in spite of what I think is possible and not possible, I'm going to make a decision in this moment, in the time in between, to believe. That's faith. Here's a deep philosophical statement for you. If you've ever wrestled with doubts, you can't have faith without doubt. Faith is what you have in the face of doubt. And the question for her was, do you believe? Verse 22, she says, even now, I know that whatever you ask God, God will give you. 
Jesus said to her, I'm the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me will live even if he dies. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? Make a choice and a declaration of belief. Don't get stuck in an eternal Saturday, if you know what I'm saying. Choose to believe. And when we look at this story, we have a luxury that Martha didn't really have. We have the luxury of hindsight, right? In fact, every time you read the Bible, let me just encourage you to remember, you have hindsight. It's easy to look at disciples when they're acting stupid and get judgmental. But just remember, this is like life for them right in front of them. They don't know the end of the story like we know the end of the story. And so the truth of the matter is we probably would have been a lot like them. Martha is the same way, but it might be easier to relate to Martha because we've dealt with these situations in our lives. And when we deal with these situations, when we deal with the time in between, like Martha, we don't know how it's going to turn out. We know how it turned out for Martha. She didn't know. When you're in the time in between, you don't know how it's going to turn out. Martha didn't know how it was going to turn out. And she still had to make a decision to believe. I, I, I would say this. If she didn't believe, Lazarus probably would not have been raised from the dead. It takes faith to please God. When the woman touched the hem of his garment, she said, he said, your faith has healed you. It's our belief coupled with God's power. The disciples struggled with this the time in between two. In John chapter 20, it says this. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. And Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you believe. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. When Jesus walked out of the tomb, the word impossible was removed from our vocabulary. But I want you to understand this when I say without doubt, you can't have faith. There were people like Thomas in the presence of the risen Jesus Christ, and the Bible says some doubted. Now, we, we wrestle with faith today. We don't have the luxury that they had of actually seeing the resurrection and Jesus with the scars. And yet we, we've got to choose to believe. And Jesus even says to Thomas, You've, you believe me because you see Blessed are those who believe when they don't see. He's talking about you and me. One, we receive blessing for choosing to believe, but two, we are blessed that we can even believe. See, if you really struggle with belief in Jesus, Jesus did things, he did these miracles, and I know that there's been people out there in history who have performed so-called miracles, and there's all sorts of false miracles. But Jesus performed miracles, but he said things even. When you think about whether to believe, he said things that really don't leave a lot of room for middle ground. I've had a lot of friends who, who've told me, I, I, you know, I believe that Jesus was a, a good teacher who did good things. 
There are other religions out there that will look at him as a prophet and that, that he, he was good for the world, he was good for history, but, but he's not the son of God. And that's the problem, really. Jesus said things like, I'm the son of God. He said things like what we read here. I'm the resurrection and the life. He said, I'm the truth. I'm the light. I'm the way. These are not like iffy statements. They're firm statements. So I don't know how you can have somebody say something like that and then it not be either true or absolutely crazy, but not this in-between stuff. Years ago, there was uh, an interview with the lead singer of U2, uh, Bono. And the, he was being interviewed about his faith, and he had some similar sentiments. In fact, I've got the clip, so if we could show that clip, that'd be great. What or who was Jesus, as far as you're concerned? I think it's, the, it's a defining question for a Christian, is who was Christ. And, and I don't think you're let off easily by saying a great thinker or a great philosopher or, a, a, you know, because actually he went round saying he was the Messiah. That's why he was crucified. He was crucified because he said he was the Son of God. So he either, in my view, was the Son of God or he was not. No, no, nuts. Nuts, yes. Forget yes. rock and roll messianic complexes. This is like, I mean, Charlie Manson-type delirium. And I find it hard to accept that all the millions and millions of lives, half the earth for 2,000 years, have been touched, have felt their lives touched and inspired by some nutter. I just, I don't believe it. I, so I therefore it follows that you believe he was divine. Yes. And therefore it follows that you believe that he rose physically from the dead. Yes, yeah, I mean, uh, I have no problem with miracles. <laughs> I'm living around them. I am one. So, so when you pray then, you pray to Jesus. Yes. The risen Jesus. Yes. And you believe that he made promises which will come true. Yes. That's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> I mean, Bono gets it. <laughs> what he was echoing there was an old argument written by uh, an apologist named C.S. Lewis. And C.S. Lewis makes the same observation about the things that Jesus says, and he says, really, he doesn't leave a lot of, little, a lot of room. He's either Lord, like he says, a liar, or a lunatic, a, the worst kind of liar, by the way, but there's no middle ground. And this is where we find ourselves when we are in the in-between times. And sometimes it's good to have videos like this or reminders like this because we are wrestling with doubt. We have to make a choice in those moments to believe, maybe even in spite of ourselves. Because that's what he asked her. And when we make that choice, that one decision will determine, one decision to, to put your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior will determine your eternal destiny, but it will also make the impossible possible. After asserting his identity to Martha, he asked this point-blank question that punctuated Martha's life. Do you believe this? 
He asked it before Lazarus was raised from the dead. And Martha's response was a simple profession of faith. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Celebrating the resurrection today. One passage says, because of what Jesus did, all the promises in the Bible are yes and amen for every believer. That means every promise that's in there is for you. Everything you see God does for people, he can do for you. And the question today is, what's your decision? What's your decision? One little yes can change your whole life. It can change your whole eternity. It's true or false. It's not a multiple choice. Romans chapter 10, verse 9, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. What is your decision today? Unless you think, oh, I've already given my life to Jesus. What about when you're in the in-between times? Maybe you find yourself in an in-between time today and you've come in defeated. Well, we just showed the video. You should not be letting any of these discouraging things tread on you. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is at work within your body. Nothing should be able to hold you down for long at all.